Thank you, Andrea. Uh, worship has been amazing this morning, as it so often is when we come into the place uh, when our hearts are ready and right um, to lift them, lift our voices to the Lord. I think um, I can't, I can't preach this morning because my little wooden platform's gone, and I have to use something different. Um, I, sorry. Oh, Sunday school is it on today? Great. Uh, okay, parents, uh, for those young people who are in Sunday schools, you are able to leave now and go and join Mrs. Johnson downstairs. That would be fantastic. Oh, not Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Hess. Mrs. Hess today. Fabulous. Oh. So, if I was to sum up, uh, maybe even title, what the message this morning might be about is what we just sung, by his name. We overcome. That's pretty cool. All right. Focus on the one in 2021. I have really, really enjoyed that phrase, that that slogan for our year. Focus on the Lord. uh, Focus on the one, rather, in 2021. And that's really what it's all about. It is about focusing on the one. We can make it about all sorts of things, but it really is ultimately about Jesus Christ, about who he is in us. Um. We are looking today at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 24. So you can open your Bibles there now if you like. We won't start reading it for a little while yet. Um, but the thing about this is that this is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture for most of us. We, we've heard lots of times, whether it be through preaching or whether it be through Sunday school or whether it be through RI classes about the armour of God. And it can be a bit of a challenge, I must say, to speak about something that is kind of familiar because you kind of have to bring it in a way that appeals to people, something that, that, that in a way that can kind of give them some more traction in their hearts and in their minds about what it is that we're speaking about. So often what happens is that when the word is ministered about the gospel of God, the love of God, the compassion of God and the transforming power of God, moments after we've heard what we've just, what the message has been about, even in our own church buildings, we can treat each other with impatience or indifference. Or we can see someone standing alone out of the corner of our eyes and not actually bother to go over and talk with them. And we can be disinclined to exercise compassion. And sometimes what happens is as I stand at the door of the church, not just this church but other churches that I've been at, oftentimes after a preacher has poured out his heart to inspire the people, we see the faces that leave the place seem like they're carrying a really heavy burden. But this is the, the thing is that we know this is about faith. This is a growing thing. Faith is a growing thing. Uh, God is in the business of transforming our lives. Even from my own experience, it seems that I have to hear something over and over and over again before I finally go, aha, I finally get it. One of those things that for me is that you are saved by grace through faith and not by works. And That was the hardest thing for me to get. We are all works-based people. And it took me years of hearing this before I finally grasped hold of it and now I live in its freedom. Uh, For the Apostle Paul, most of his letters, 
that are written to specific churches, these same letters were shared with other churches, but most of those, those letters, they contain the same things often, they're just said in different ways. And that's what the preacher's job is, of course, as well, to take that message and say it in different ways that it might appeal to us. So yes, many of us have heard this passage this morning and many times before, and yet I wonder how often we've actually, we've actually grabbed hold of it. When we're talking about the armour of God, though we've heard this message so many times, how often have we actually grabbed hold of it? And I wonder how many of us hearing this passage reflect the application of it to themselves or whether they have other people's minds in their mind when they're thinking about it. And so often that happens, doesn't it? When we're preaching it about a particular message, you go, oh, wow, I know a person who really needs that. We have that picture in our mind, that face in our mind, but actually what we should be doing is looking in a mirror because we need it. And every time pastors stand up in the front of the church, I would hope this be the case, that every time pastors stand up in front of the church, we're holding a mirror. We need the preaching that we're bringing as well. So, uh, there is no way... <coughs> Excuse me. There is no way that we would get into our cars and go to work at the start of the day without putting on our clothes unless there was something funky going on. <laughs> so we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't we wouldn't go out there with our pajamas on. So why is it that we forget so often? Why is it we forget so often to clothe ourselves with spiritual clothing with spiritual armour. The armour that we all need as Christians, those living for Christ out there in the world. For me, practice and discipline are, they, are the key. They are the big things. From the moment we're born, we are dressed. From the moment we're born, our, our mums mostly, sometimes dads, praise God for dads, but I know it's Mother's Day, but I'll get there. Um, and so often what happens is that we dress our little babies right from the start. They get in the practice of being dressed. <clears throat> After a little while, they can actually start dressing themselves and mums nag that uh, mums kindly say to their children. And I do say, thank you, mums and dads, that you do dress your kids. Not only in clothing, but mums, you do an amazing job of bringing Christ into the hearts and lives of your children. So as it is Mother's Day, I just want to say thank you so much that you allow God to use you into the lives of these young people that he has blessed you with. So, yes, sometimes mums and dads have to say to their children, get dressed, it's time to go to school, put on your uniform. Those pair of socks are not uniform. Put on your uniform. Sometimes even dads say, daughter, you are not going out of this house until you put on a pair of pants or a skirt under that great big long T-shirt you're wearing. Yes, let's move on. But I ask you, how many times have you been instructed by parents or anyone before you have breakfast, before you even change out of your pyjamas, you better dress yourself in your spiritual clothing. You are about to go into battle. You need to be wearing your armour. How many times do we hear that? Well, I would hazard a guess that it's not something that we say very often. It's probably not something that we hear very often. And yet, as we will see, 
this will be the most important clothing that we will put on. Weird as it sounds, it is better to walk out there naked in skin and be clothed in the armour of God than to go out there with clothes on and not carry the spiritual protection that you should. My hope is though that through this message and next week's message is that you and I, as we hear in another way about the armour of God, that we might have our heart moments and determine in the inner person that place where Jesus inhabits right down deep inside us and he provides us with all the grace and all the power to do it, to to discipline ourselves with the, the most important clothing, practice and discipline. No one can live, oops, practice and discipline. Let's pray. That's a really good thing. Father, as we open your word, may your spirit who lives in our hearts take the words on a page of paper and wrap them with light and life for us to consume for the feeding of our souls. Not one person can come to you or not one person apart from you can do anything apart from the word of God. No one can live this Christian life, Father, apart from you and your word, which reveals the promises of God and the power of God in and through your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we're grateful that you have not left us as spiritual orphans floundering, trying to live this Christian life by ourselves, but you have given us a counsellor, the wonderful Holy Spirit, and may his work be done in our hearts this morning to bring to life the holy revelation, the holy word of God into our hearts. Amen. Amen. So, I have to work out with Pastor John what we're going to do because we have a Bible, a a, a preaching plan. And I want to actually break our passage today in half to preach half of it today and half of it next week. So, we'll, we'll wrestle over that on Monday. Okay. So I do want to break it into whole sermon, two two sermons because this thing is too important. It's too important. So Ephesians chapter six, verse ten to twenty-four. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God and pray in the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I may fe- will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. 
Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. I don't know, I don't think anyone can read that passage of scripture and not catch hold of the metaphor of war, of combat, of defence, of offence, of protection through spiritual armour that the Apostle Paul uses to get the message across to us about what we should expect as people who have come into this thing called faith. It's essential teaching. And of course, when we come to recognise who our adversary is and how he does battle, we will ever increasingly desire or know the need to know the necessity of what it means to us to take on spiritual armour. One of the problems though is that I think the metaphor can get in the way sometimes. It can distract from the root message. Let me explain what I mean. And I say this because it was for me. The breast, if I were to say to you the breastplate of righteousness, what picture do you have in your mind? So often for me what it would be is I get a picture of a breastplate. That's what comes to mind. We make that the subject or the object rather. But the issue is that it's all about the righteousness. It's the righteousness that should be our focus. It should be the, 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 the object of that, of that clause. So I think for me... Um, that's an issue. The trouble is sometimes is if I were to ask you how to articulate righteousness, I'm not sure that we could word that up that well. So that's what we need to focus on. Either way, whether it's an issue for you or whether it's just for less intellectual people like myself, uh, the picture is clear that that Paul wants us to grasp the understanding that as Christians we are actually entering into frontline battle. That's where we are and we are entering into a battle against a hardened enemy. He's had a lot of years of practice and that's where we find ourselves. And we best know our adversary and we best know our PPE, our personal protective equipment that we have been provided as Christians. We have been provided of it but I don't know whether we always use it. And we best know, <coughs> and we best know how to dress in it. All the way through my messages through Ephesians, I've, I've been suggesting to you that for Christians, this is one of the most important letters that we can read, that we can learn, that we can take in. So far as Christ, who Christ is, who he is in us and how Christians are to live and the power we have in the responsibility of ours to live accordingly. Now, at the end of the letter, Paul is up front with his warning that for those of us who have read the first part of this letter and have understood it, all that he's previously spoken, and for us who, who, who want to get in on this good thing, 
who desire to live this Christian life, he warns us. He warns us that we will have oppression. We will face opposition. He doesn't want to deceive anybody. He wants us to know. He's not allowing us to say, hey, you know what, I entered into this, but no one told me. No one told me that I was going to face this sort of stuff. Paul is making it really, really clear. And this opposition that we will face is unlike anything that we have faced outside of faith. It is something different. Again, if you have heard this before, that's good. It is always good for us to go over to be continually training ourselves, hearing the theory and doing the practice over and over until it finally becomes second nature to us. So then, as we start looking into at least part of our passage this morning, I want to start with verse 12 rather than verse 10. For we are not struggling against human beings, but against rulers, authorities and cosmic powers governing the darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We need to be clear in our understanding. This is so important. We need to be clear in our understanding that this is war and it's warfare and we're talking about it that it's not material. It's not a material war. It's We can't fight it with material weapons. We can't protect ourselves with material armour. It's not of human origin. It's not of flesh and blood. It's not a material or it's not of material or human nature. It's something different, and it's something specific to those who enter into this relationship in the spiritual realm, namely those who have had a saving revelation of Jesus Christ. And I would expect that's nearly all of us here, if not all of us here. It's a spiritual war and we need spiritual training, spiritual defence and spiritual offence, spiritual armour to fight the battle. The thing is, sometimes we are very good at using language that is not particularly biblical. I think sometimes that's because we might not necessarily know the word of God and sometimes we listen to other speakers, other preachers, well-known ones, well-intentioned ones, but don't always speak the word as the scripture tells us. And I want to say about I want to talk about this. The greatest weapon we will have in this spiritual war is that we're cast into the moment that we are saved is not the words we say to the devil. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see apostles or others speaking to Satan as such things like, I bind you, devil. I rebuke you, devil. We hear it. We hear it. It's around us. We hear it. But the scripture doesn't say that. And if we have a look in the book of Jude, the book of Jude talks us about the, the, one of the most powerful angels in all of heaven doing battle with the devil. And his response to the devil in that spiritual on spiritual battle was the Lord rebuke you. There's our authority. There's our power. It's in the Lord and the Lord's rebuke, not ours. No, it's not what we say to the devil that is our greatest weapon in spiritual warfare. It's how we live the Christ life in front of him. That's what it's about. My obedience, my surrender, my submission is my greatest weapon in defeating the one who is the prince of darkness and who lives around me. 
And I want to reiterate this, it is so important. It's not what we say to the devil that's our greatest weapon in this spiritual warfare. It's how we live our Christ life in front of him. My obedience to Christ, my surrender to Christ, my submission to Christ, that's the greatest weapon in defeating the one who is the prince of darkness. My sur- and where will I learn those things? I learn those things in the word of God. That's where we focus. That's where we feast. That's where we find the weapons of spiritual warfare. That's where we learn about, who, about what it is and how we wear our spiritual protective armour. If we focus on the devil when we are being oppressed, when we are feeling the weight of opposition, I can guarantee you, you will be defeated. You will be defeated. When we focus on Jesus in his word, who has already won the battle against the devil, that's it. We should applaud that because this is amazing. He has already won the battle. And when we're feeling oppressed and downtrodden, we stand in his victory, not ours. Does this make sense? You and I have to choose daily where we put our focus. We have to choose daily whether whether or not we are going to decide to put on this spiritual armour. God can give us everything. He can lead a horse to water, but he can't make him drink. It's our choice. So verse 10, finally, finally growing powerful in union with the Lord and in union with his mighty strength. So Paul says, finally, after all that I've taught you, after all has gone before, after all the previous five-sixths of this letter that, I have, or that I've preached, there's one last thing that you need to know. How often is it that when we, can, when, we, when we have a contract or an agreement that we're looking through that it's the last few words, it's the, the final requirements, that, that final stipulation, the fine print at the end that is either the deal breaker or the deal maker? So Paul, through the letter to the Ephesians and to us, is telling us amazing things about faith and relationship of broken men to a holy God. All the way through this incredible letter, he tells us about a saviour king who forgives sins, who redeems the lost, who pours out lavish grace and untold numbers of blessings, who invites us into a reconciled relationship with the one who created us and makes us alive by faith. The one who loves us with with immeasurably wide and deep and high love, who establishes, established a family for us, the church, where we can be built up, where we can be brought into maturity, where we have, where we have work to do that he has told us about in advance, that he has already laid out for us. the one who has called us out of darkness and out of despair into light and freedom. Finally. And then he says, but finally, now there's something you should know before you sign the dotted line. And if you already have signed that dotted line, you need to be aware 
There's about to be a struggle. There is about to be a combat with the ruler of the evil world. Now, it's as though Paul says, as we look through the rest of that passage, but never fear, but never fear. This is how you stand. This is how you hold your ground. This is how you have victory. Finally, grow powerful in union with the Lord, in union with his mighty strength. Or in the NIV it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his, in his mighty power. The Greek word for this, this, this word strong or powerful actually means be strengthened. And when we set it alongside the, the uh, complete Jewish version, which is that one up there, when we set it alongside that version, we're left with this right idea, this correct idea that it's not our strength in which we're doing these things. It's when we are in union with the Lord that we can be strengthened. That's where we find our strength, in oneness with Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But here's the thing. It's because of faith, and I don't know if you've actually heard or thought about this, but it's because of faith in Jesus Christ that we find ourselves in this battle in the first place. Apart from Christ, the devil doesn't care about us. We're no issue to him, we're no problem to him, but when we step into this thing called faith, we will face battle. Ephesians 3, 9 to 10. And to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom, the various wisdom, the incredible wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's the church. As soon as we come part of the body of Christ, God says, I now use you to speak, to shine, to be out in that spiritual darkness. It's like we're standing on a hill and saying, you know what, I now bat for the other team. And why wouldn't we receive opposition if we're shouting things like that out into that darkness? It's an invitation. But God doesn't leave us high and dry. And that's the thing that's really important for us to understand. It's not like he says, so you're going to face battle you're right, off you go, we'll be all right now, see you later, I'll see you in heaven. It's, he doesn't do that. Just as he, be, he provides all we need to stand. At the same time, it's because of our being in oneness with the Lord that we can stand firmly in victory in the battle. The more we grow in our faith relationship with our Lord, the stronger we will stand in the spiritual war. Do you see the equation? More Jesus equals more strengthening. Closer to Jesus equals more strengthening. 1 Peter 4.11 Whoever speaks is to do as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoa! I wonder. I wonder when we use our words a little loosely sometimes whether they actually do sound like utterances from the Lord. That's a bit of a challenge for me. Whoever serves is to do so as a one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. He supplies it. He doesn't leave us high and dry. 
so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, that's the end of all of our work, isn't it? The end of all of our work, the summation of all of this calling into faith is about the glorification of God. That's what we're here for. So how we live our lives is so important. I don't want to be a glory stealer. I want want for, for as much glory to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as I possibly can allow in this broken body. That's why we have to put on all these components of spiritual armour. That's, that's why we're, we're, going to be talking, we're going to be talking about that through next week. May it be that before we even change out of pyjamas, before we even come out for breakfast, may it be that we put on our spiritual clothing, before we even put on our daily clothing. We have to arm ourselves with these things daily. The devil never takes a day off. Do you know that? He never, never has a lay day. He is always busy. He's always there prowling around looking for Christians to devour, to cause them to stumble and to live defeated lives. He is good at it. So Paul says in verse 11, put on the full armour of God. When we read this in the English, it somehow doesn't say the the meaning of put on with power. It kind of loses some of its intensity. But when we have a look at it in the Greek, it kind of takes on a new meaning. It says put on. Do it. Do it now. Do it urgently. This is dangerous. There is an urgency in what that word actually means. It also carries the sense that it should be worn all the time. That word carries permanency. It's not, I'll have it this week and I'll, I'll forget about my armour next week. I'm going on holidays, I don't have to worry about my armour. No, it's a permanent thing. It's not about forgetting it every now and then. Again, the verse says, put on the full armour. Of God. One of the great things that we learn about the armour metaphor is it is a top to toe thing. It's from helmet to shoes. It's a full covering and everything in between is covered as well. That's the application. Now think about this. No soldier, no soldier who is doing war today would ever go out into battle without their full Armory. They would never go out there without all their gear. They would never say, oh, I've forgotten my Kevlar. I left it on the end of my bed. Oh, well. So why do we as Christians, why are we so readily willing to go out there into battle without our armour on, our spiritual armour on? It's a good question. And again I ask you, when was the last time you spoke it out when you woke up in the morning before you left home or for school? I need to put on my armour. When, parents, was the last time that you prayed over your children who are too young to understand? Those who may be spiritually immature or perhaps not even yet Christians. Put on the full armour 
of God. This, I believe, is the real deal maker. Whose armour is it? It's God's armour and he gives it to us to put on. It comes from a spiritual world and it comes from God himself. Therefore, we can have absolute assurance that what God is giving us is good for us because it comes from the very one who made us, the creator of all things spiritual and material. He knows exactly what is required in our spiritual protection. He provides it and he strengthens us through Christ to put it on constantly. So why should we put on the armour of God? Verse 13, Therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it does, it's always there, there's never a day that it's not there, it is always there, even in church today. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Paul tells us three times in these verses the reason why we must put on spiritual armour and that's so that we can stand, that we can stand against, we can stand our ground, we can stand firm, that we can be immovable. Stand against what? Against the devil and against all the spiritual darkness that's out there, all that stuff that's out there in the invisible realm, the schemes of the devil. He is a schemer. We have to know that. We have to know that he is a schemer. He's constantly scheming to be able to find cracks in our armour, to get a foothold to do his work, to cause us to doubt, to cause us to fall and stumble. He's a schemer. He has been from the very beginning. And we might be inclined to think that we're just standing against the devil and his evil angels. But that's not quite so. Everywhere we go, he is scheming, whether it be in our workplaces, whether it be in our sporting teams, whether it be in our governments, whether it be in schools, even here in churches, he is scheming. And though I'm not... Now, I'm not going to talk about the fullness of the armour today. I just want to just bring something that just might help us through at least this week to start thinking about covering ourselves up, to start thinking about protecting ourselves from the evil one through this week. In James 4.7 we see it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's how, we're, that's how, that's how we put on our armour. That's how we stand against the devil. We resist him. But there's more to that verse because the question then is how do we resist the devil? And this is where it gets answered. Submit yourself then to God. It's in our submission to God that the resisting is being done. We're filling our thinking. We're humbling ourselves under God. God is our focus. And then it continues on. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's his requirement from us, to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. And where light is, darkness cannot be. And that's the, full, that's, that's the amazing thing. The closer, remember the time that when Moses came down off that hill after he'd been up there for 40 days, he shone, 
He shone. The glory of God was on him. He was like a light in the darkness, even to the point where the people were afraid of him. They wanted him to cover up. The closer we are to God, the more we will shine the glory of God in our lives. And where the glory of God shines, the less power the darkness has. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is a call to repentance. One of the great things that we can do on a daily basis is to recognise that we do commit sin and we need to come to repentance every single day. Not with that burden of, oh, I'm a sinner, I need to repent, but exercising the joy of the gift of repentance that is given us. And in in John 4.10 it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. In submission and humility before a holy and awesome God is our rightful position before him. In humility and submission. And this is what he does for us. He lifts us up. This is our final part. Let's just read Psalm 91.4. It says, When we draw near to God, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart, your outer wall of fortification. We want to live lives that are free of oppression or that we can stand when oppression comes. We want to live lives of victory and enjoyment of this faith relationship that we have with God. We need to find ourselves in the presence of God, in his word. We need to take him for his word and do the things that he asks us to do. And we can walk out of this place with the biggest smile on our face and our chest puffed out saying in Christ we have the victory no one can touch me let's pray God you are the giver of amazing gifts the greatest gift that we have ever received is Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through his name and through his work on the cross But Lord, you never stop there. You keep on giving and giving and giving and daily, daily you call us to receive those things that you give us. Father, thank you for reminding us that we need to be humble before you, ever seeking you. And in that place, we are guarded. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.